Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome again to Student of the Word. Today, we're going to take an Old Testament story, Babel. We're going to talk about that tower that was built and how it so represents the day we are living in, because around us, we see nations coming together, all rejoicing. We're going to work together. God says, no. Why did God make nationalism? Why did God break up all the places of the earth into different nations? He did it for protection. But in the time that men come together, God, the same that destroyed the Tower of Babel, is going to destroy all that man is doing today as they are coming together. Let's find out from the Word of God, and especially on end-time events, how close we are to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello to all of you who are watching today, Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. And I guess you've been looking around at the world going on, whether you watch the news or just, you know, hear things that are reported or get it off the internet or whatever. Things are falling apart around the world. But you know what? As far as God is concerned, it's all headed toward the end times. There's something happening around us too right now. And the, the world's calling it the new world order or the liberal world order. And it just comes back to centralized government, a one world government. God has never been for one world government. God divided the nations into different ones and each one uh, is indicated in the word of God as, as nationalism. God is for nationalism. He's against internationalism where all the nations join together. And we're seeing that happen right now, but the Bible prophesied it would come, it would come to pass. And we're entering the end times of which there's going to be a centralized world government. This government, the evil of the world, will be wrapped up in the nations of Russia and China. And the Bible says Persia will join them, which is Iran and Iraq and Saudi Arabia, some of those countries like that. That's the evil of the world. The good will be the EU. And out of the EU is going to become the central headship of the world in this international government. And then that since they represent peace, their leader is going to be called basically what Jesus is, a prince of peace. And this prince will be the opposite of Jesus. So he'll be antichrist. And since that time period, the tribulation, the Bible calls it, and the second half called the great tribulation, because it's even worse than the first half, during that time period, he's going to present himself, Antichrist, the leader of the EU, as a man of peace for the first three and a half years of the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation, he's going to go walk into the temple in Jerusalem and sit in the place where Jesus is supposed to sit and declare himself to be God. In other words, I am a man who is God, in essence, Antichrist. He will try to portray himself as Jesus Christ. And by sitting there, he's going to do that. But again, that's when the great tribulation starts and in at the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ personally will come back to rule and to reign. But this literally that's going to happen and we see it shaping up around us day by day is what's going on right now is the fact that it's happened before. Satan has no new plans. He has no new ways. He just throws a different title on it. And we're going to talk about Babel because this has happened before where men got together under the power and the anointing of Satan. And, uh, and Nimrod is the one that's going to be the one that uh, is leading this whole thing. And Nimrod is a type of Antichrist himself. We'll talk about that today, but from Genesis chapter 11, we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 9. I have a teaching series on Jesus in Genesis. And what this does is take and show you throughout the book of uh, Genesis, Jesus Christ presented in picture form in different ways. Of course, Jesus appeared many ways in the Old Testament, but he never appeared as a human being. He appeared 
him. The closest he came to that was being declared himself to be the angel of the Lord, of which the angels in the in the Bible, when they appear before people, look like human beings. But Jesus Christ appeared that way, but he did, never came as a human being until the day he was born in the manger and then grew up and went to the cross after 33 years. But again, the Old Testament, he came in types and shadows or picture form. So that's what this is. And that's what I'm offering to you is Jesus in Genesis. The announcer will come on at halftime in the middle of the broadcast and tell you how you can have a copy of that for yourself. So turn to Genesis chapter 11. We're gonna take a look at verses one through nine. Here it declares in verse 11, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelled there. And they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. I want you to notice bricks have to be made. They had bricks for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the entire earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from uh, there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the building. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Nimrod, who is the one who built this city and then got all the nations together, to build this city, or at least all the people. There was only one nation at the time, but his name is Rebel. And uh, the name Nimrod means a rebel. This is found in chapter 10, verses eight through 12. The name Babel itself means to pour together. It means the gates of Baal. And then later the word meant confusion. And so we talk about that today. In fact, it means more of that. We said, oh, he's just babbling on. Means he's talking in sheer confusion or she, and they don't know what they're saying and they're just making stuff up. And that's what the word Babel means. Man builds with bricks. Isn't that interesting? Let us make bricks. Bricks don't come from the ground. No, literally bricks are crushed stones. And at Babel and also in Egypt, the children of Israel were formed, uh, were forced in Egypt to build the pyramids and build the buildings out of crushed stones, which is bricks. Isn't it interesting? God builds with stones. Uh, the temple and the church itself, uh, one's a spiritual and one's a natural place, both were built with rocks. And rocks represent people. No two rocks are the same. No two people are the same. And God is so good. He built the temple out of stone, and they did in the Old Testament. And when they did and put them on there, they're stone, but they filled in between it with mortar. And this is just a beautiful type of the church of what it is. It's a church built out of people. And your part is in it too, whether the, and whether that be one that you're a deacon or an usher in the church, or you're a Christian who spreads the gospel. You go to work someplace, you, you know, you work in some uh, large corporation or you work yourself in a small business, whatever it may be. No, you are literally fulfilling the call of God on your life, but God sees 
you as an individual. Even if somebody else, you might be two ushers standing at the front door, you might work for the same company, you might work in maybe two different parts, do the same thing, but how you do your job is different. You are unique as a person, but the world doesn't want to see you that way for putting people in slavery as this place was Babel, as will be the time of the great tribulation, what happens is man is basically crushed into, made into bricks, and we're all made the same. Communism does this, and uh, socialism does this. It tries to make everybody the same, beats us all down, and makes bricks out of us to where we all look the same, and God's simply saying, no, I don't want that. The church is built out of living stones, First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and there we are seen as living stones. God doesn't see us as all the same. No, he sees us as individual parts, like the body. Body. You know, you say, well, I've got two eyes. There's more than one. But did you know that your two eyes aren't the same? Your two eyes don't see the same. You don't go get your eye checked. You go get your eyes checked. You don't go get your ear checked. You get your ears checked. Why? Because you don't hear the same out of both ears. The right ear can hear tones. The left ear can't. And that's what God has intended. No two people are the same. Even if you two are eyes in the body of Christ, you two are ears in the body of Christ, hands in the body of Christ, feet in the body of Christ, it simply comes back to this. We are all totally unique. And God loves this. There's no two stars out there that are the same. No two planets that are the same. The universe is filled with total diversity and even in eternity, you will be unique. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when we get to heaven, some will shine like the sun, like the moon. Others, all the stars in difference and brilliance and magnitude. Every one of us will be unique in, in eternity. But when it comes to man trying to put people together, they crush them into stones and they take their uniqueness away and make slaves out of them. And this happened at the Tower of Babel and later on happened in Egypt. Later on happened as the children of Israel were carried captive into Babylon. So God creates stones but man makes bricks from stones. God delights in the fact that we are unique as human beings. Nimrod is a forerunner and a type of antichrist. Nimrod is found in Genesis chapter 10, verses six through 10. Mankind becomes degenerate again after the flood. After the flood, you know, that Noah came and there was eight that were righteous. From them came the different uh, nations on the face of the earth later on. But what happened was, as they begin to have children, those children turned further and further away from the God and man became degenerate again after the flood. The history of man is never uphill, but downhill. Man doesn't ever increase and increase. There might be a family that increases, maybe another family that increases, but eventually all of it goes down and God has to come back at the end of each dispensation and basically wash it, clean it, and start all over again. Man again tries to be like God, even tries to be God. This is what the Tower of Babel was. Man again tries to be as God again and again tries to be God, but man did not learn in Nimrod's day from the sin of Adam or those who were destroyed by the flood. What we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. And it's been that way throughout the Old Testament, throughout the history of mankind. And Nimrod means rebellion. He so typified his generation, his name meaning rebellion, he was the grandson of Ham. He was a hunter of men, a defiant murderer for hire in God's face. He began to build a world empire. He was an imitator of God. And so he was a world leader of destruction. And before the flood, Satan worked on the entire world. After the flood, Satan worked through Nimrod to deceive many. And so again, Nimrod becomes a type of antichrist. 
Antichrist is known as the lawless one. In other words, it's talking about God's law, not the fact that he broke every law, but he probably will. But even laws that are established in nation, he is a lawless one. But again, the primary reason is he's lawless because he comes against God. He's known as the lawless one. The New Testament defines him that way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. Antichrist will literally set himself up against God, defy him. And so it was in the case of Nimrod. He defied the Lord, came up against him, and again represents this man of sins called Antichrist. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 36 and verse 37, it says, and the king will do according to his will. This is Antichrist, prophesying of Antichrist, but boy, can Nimrod be a type of this one. And the king will do according to his will and he will exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and will speak marvelous things or huge things, even sounding spiritual things against the God of gods and will prosper until the indignation is accomplished. That's the end of the tribulation. For in that is determined that shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. And so apparently Antichrist will be a Jew seen as the leader, as the leader of Israel. So he will have to be a Jew but again, he will not regard the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, nor the desire of women. He will not be married. He will be single, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. In other words, he will show himself as God. When we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about the fact he's going to imitate Jesus Christ because he's gonna perform miracles, but his miracles are not backed by the power of God or the Holy Spirit. His miracles are backed by Satan himself. I'll see you right after the break. Throughout the book of Genesis, we find Jesus revealed in every story. As Bob Yandian teaches through the book of Genesis, you will see Jesus through the lives of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Nimrod. Messages include our family tree, the two trees, Satan enters, reverse the curse, the more excellent sacrifice, the testimony of Enoch, knowing Noah, the ark of salvation, Noah, the second Adam, Nimrod and Antichrist. To order Jesus in Genesis, go to bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Thank you for joining me again. I've been getting great reviews from people just, just thanking me and thanking the Word of God and thanking God Himself for the ministry that I have. Again, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but listen, for those of you who just enjoy the Word of God, breaking it down line upon line, taking people like we're talking about today with Nimrod and, and the Tower of Babylon, just studying it from the Word of God and seeing the goodness of God in it, that no matter how defiant people can be, God always justifies, God always vindicates His people. I'm one of those and so are you that are watching this broadcast. 
And if you've never accepted Jesus, go ahead and do it. Just open up your heart and just say, Jesus, I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And you can join us too by becoming a child of God. And then the understanding of the word of God will be given to you. So thank you again for watching the broadcast. Thank you again for being partners with me. And thank you for those who pray for me each and every day. I appreciate you so much. Let's talk about the fact that Nimrod and setting up this particular place that is called the Tower of Babel, he literally performs satanic miracles. And Satan is in the imitation business of Jesus Christ himself. We find this whenever Moses was gonna deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he was withstood by the magicians of Egypt. And for a few times, they kept up with him. What he did, they did, and all of a sudden, he just eclipsed them, left them out completely, and just started doing miracles, because why? God is always greater, and the Holy Spirit is always greater than the power and the operation of Satan. And so we find it here that literally in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we have a, what, a picture of Antichrist, which is also a picture again of Nimrod. Then shall that wicked one be revealed. That will be Antichrist himself, whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, notice this, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Satan cannot produce a real miracle. He produced lying wonders and he produced lying signs. And in Psalm chapter five and verse six, we're told that Antichrist will hunt men. He's called the bloody and the deceitful man. In Isaiah 14 and verse four, as well as Revelation chapter 17, verses three through five, Antichrist will rule from Babylon. And the Tower of Babel is right here what we're talking about. And so it's in the same location. And just again, as Nimrod was in this place, so will Antichrist be there. And uh, we have the King of Babylon, Mystery Babylon as it's referred to there. And later on, Antichrist will sit in Jerusalem on Messiah's throne, but this is a place that Nimrod never got to. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three and four says, speaking of Antichrist, that man of sin will be revealed. The son of perdition, same title given here as we did back in Jesus' day of that evil one of the 12 that he had, and that was Judas himself. Notice this, it says of Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. This is what Antichrist is going to do with Satan backing him. He's going to present himself like Jesus as the Messiah backed by the power of his God, but his God is Satan. So Satan is in the imitation business and this is what Antichrist is gonna do, but that's what Nimrod did in his do. I'm just simply trying to show you that the Tower of Babel here is such a great representation of the tribulation yet to come and Antichrist who will rule for those seven years. So why did God eventually scatter the people? Notice again what happened was they had a single language, God confused it, and everybody suddenly started speaking different languages. The languages were actually put here as a supernatural manifestation of God to break apart this government that man had. God has always been for nationalism, not for internationalism. Why did God scatter the people in chapter nine and verse one of the book of Genesis? 
God made the people to scatter and then he confused their languages. Why? Because God is against internationalism. God ordained nationalism. The United States, Canada, and Mexico, you go around the world, you got different other nations there. If you have the Eastern nations and the Western nations we have here in the world, and, and you go north, south, all the different nations, and there's so many of them, it's almost like we can't number all them. And some of them even divided into a couple of nations. So God ordained nationalism. Why? Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil produced spiritual death and produce the nature of the flesh. The nature of the flesh is found in all mankind, including those that are born again. I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, accepted him as my savior. My spirit has changed. My soul is being changed, but my body is yet to be changed. That's where the nature of the flesh is found. So the nature of the flesh, though, is found in all mankind, including those that are born again, and centralized government not only brings us all together, and we often say, isn't that wonderful? We can all share our differences and our and, and our strengths. No, no. God says when you come together, what you begin to share is the evils you have in you, and centralized government concentrates evil together. Nationalism protects the human race from the evils of the flesh by separating evil. Today, we see a returning to one world government, international communism, the liberal new world order. What we see is nations coming together, a concentration of evil is what happens. And God has always seen there's nations that there's that this evil does. And always by nationalism has a place you could run to. I mean, we look back at the nations of the world and we see the, the fact that they have oppressed so many people. But when people get a chance to escape, what would be so terrible is if the whole world was wrapped up in internationalism and you had no place to run. Welcome to the tribulation. And this is why God separated people, gave them different languages, and has there's all these different choices around the world of places you can run to. And guess what? The United States has always been a place for people to flee to and come to, not illegally, but to come legally and to come in and go through the proper channels because we want our government, we want our nation to have our hands outreach for people who genuinely want to come to our country for a changed life and to have happiness and peace and joy as a family or as an individual. This is what our country was set up for, not for people to flee over here to be evil and to set up all types of illegitimate businesses and then bring in drugs, prostitution, all the things we see happening today. This is not why God made nationalism. So the United Nations, again, is a type of the Tower of Babel. In the short term, what we have uh, with what we see around us today is an international monetary system that is being formed even right now when they talk about it all the time. And that is a fact we're going to have an international monetary system that all nations will be simply found under one simple monetary system of which, the, again, the governments will set the monetary value of them. There have, there's a centralized world police system that's going to be established and is being established. An international world religion, we see that in the book of Revelation with the woman who wrote on the back of the beast, and that represents world religion. But in her hand, she held a cup that was filled with blood. It was said wine there, but it's representing a blood, representing the blood of martyrs, because world religion is always against the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll have a world court 
where and we'll have a world tax. In fact, they're already talking about right now setting up world taxes to where there will be not only a local city tax, but a state tax, a national tax, and then international taxes. Again, we see this happening. In the long term, we have what the government has been calling for some time, not only in our country, but around the entire world, is the Great Reset. And they're looking to the time of around 2030 for all this to be accomplished. They're actually trying to move it closer, but that's the time period they have put out there. And this will be introducing international government, a functioning liberal new world order, but this cannot happen until the church is removed. It cannot happen while the church is still present here on the earth. This is brought out in the book of Second Thessalonians. Antichrist can't show himself. This new world order can't come into being until the church is removed because we are told in Second Thessalonians that we are that which hinders in this earth. And we are what's happening right now, keeping Antichrist from taking the throne or the tribulation from actually beginning. The Christian position is to stand our authority in our authority against what's going on out there to vote for proper people, to again, run for office if God says for you to do, and then back people with our finances that are running for office, pray for those that are in authority over us so that we can lead a quiet and peaceful life. But that's only secondary. The primary thing God wants us to do is he wants us to evangelize and bring the gospel to people so they can be born again. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says this in verses four and five, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 13. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the evils of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. What's God saying? Times are gonna get worse, but they are not stronger than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What do we do while we were here? We stand in our authority. But when end times begin, God's gonna take us out of here and Jesus Christ personally will be operating with God's power He's the alpha that sat down finally after his work was over, but he's the omega that will stand back up and wrap up all in times events. The works of the flesh, human good and evil are seen in Satan's world around us. Human good, the United Nations, welfare systems, government controlled healthcare, animal rights, all these things we see happening around us. But what about the evils? That's abortion, pornography, sex slavery, prostitution, drugs, Two wrong positions in our day for Christians is it's all up to us or it's all up to God. No, we work together on this thing. It's not all up to us because we can't do it. We need God's power working through us. And when God brings us and takes us into heaven at the rapture, God's gonna work again in this earth as he does in his power, but also work through people too. And so we have it today. Second Thessalonians, I wanna end with this in verses six and seven. And that tells us we are again the power that's restraining Antichrist, 
You know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. That's Antichrist. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, that's the church, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. We as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be soon taken out of the way. And when we do, the tribulation is going to start. We are actually blocking Antichrist from showing himself, displaying himself, and we are blocking the actual starting of the tribulation. It can't begin until we are gone. This is the power of God. That's our Christian responsibility to understand this. I will see you next time and be blessed. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.